This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Well, welcome to uh, this special episode of the Royal Blue Podcast, um, one that I'm sure uh, any of the three of us that are, are involved would rather not be on. Um, following the sad news of the death of uh, of Walter Smith, a good friend, um, a boss to a few of us, and uh, also uh, just a special man who, who all three of us here, um, you know, had the pleasure to to come across in their lives. And uh, those three people we talk about is me, Alan Myers, um, who worked, as people will know, for uh, at Everton. Um, Kevin Campbell, um, who signed uh, was signed for Everton by Walter Smith um, some years ago now, and uh, and Dave Prentice, uh, who is uh, editor sports editor of the uh, Liverpool Echo. So uh, welcome to you both, and um, I, I don't know really where to start here. Um, obviously, we were all taken aback by the news yesterday, and we'll start with Kevin and and, and your initial reaction, Kev, when you when you heard the news. Uh, it was a, it was a it was a big shock. Uh, to be honest, uh, Big Al, I, I heard. Obviously, I heard the news. Um, previously, I heard that he was ill, and then I heard. I, I had a conversation with Graham Souness, and uh, when we were, were working, and he said to me that he was he was recovering. I, I heard that he was he was up and about, which was great news. So. You know, when you know somebody's up and about, you totally think, right, he's, he's on the mend, he's, he's fine. And then to, to, to get that text yesterday morning that, you know, water had passed really knocked me down. I had to have, I had to have a seat and reflect a bit. And um, it was very difficult to take because, you know, although you, you don't live in each other's pockets and you don't see each other all the time, the impression that man left on me uh, was, was immense. And I'm sure we're going to get into his character and the way he was, yeah. etc. You know, but it was a, it was it was difficult to 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 accept it. To be honest, Miguel. Yeah, and, and and I think Dave, you know, what we have here with the three of us, and we all knew Walter very well, is is, is very different perspectives. You know, from from how we dealt with him and how, more importantly, how he dealt with us in our different yeah. sort of jobs. And and you know, I think you know it'd be nice to. To, to give a fascinating insight into into the man himself, and of course, you dealt with him, as I know, on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking to Kev before we actually started recording about you know sort of Walter's character, because to the outside world, if you like, he always put this screen up of being a dour, you know, sort of hard Scot, which I think he secretly quite enjoyed, and I think he did that uh, from his time in Glasgow, you know, the Goldfish Bowl of Glasgow, where the media, you know, sort of scrutiny can be unrelenting. And this was his way of dealing with that. And yes, away from that, he was quite the opposite. He was like such a good laugh, as you, as you both know. Um, you know, he loved a very mischievous sense of humour. He loved winding people up. And, um, you know, I used to go down there every day, like you say. And the first time I went down, um, he'd been appointed ever as a manager. And uh, I'd waited around Belfield, as we were allowed to do then, you know, so literally for three or four hours. And he was busy, you know, so talking to various people. And eventually I thought, I'm never going to get to see this guy. So I walked upstairs and Belfield, you know, the old canteen, he was coming out of the old canteen, bumped into me. You know what Walter was like? He was fond of a bit of, shall we say, Anglo-Saxon. And it was, I'll paraphrase, it was like, you know, who on earth are you and what the hell are you doing hanging around here? So, you know, so I introduced myself and then that was it then. I was like, he's amazing. So he dragged me into the office, introduced me to Archie. 
And uh, it's told me this great story about um, there's uh, an Amazon director, Lord Grantchester, who I think was responsible for some of the uh, some of the grounds or something. And Walter got it into his head that he was a Belfield groundsman. And he started telling me the story about how he'd mistaken Lord Grantchester for a Belfield groundsman. And from that moment, I don't know, he almost became like a mate. It, it sounds weird to say that about a football manager who's effectively a contact and somebody that I would have to occasionally, you know, criticise in print and stuff. But... It never seemed to matter with Walter. He just always had, you know, sort of a great sense of humour, uh, you know, so lovely, like I say, mischievous personality. And like Kevin, I, I was genuinely knocked sideways yesterday. I did feel a little bit tearful in the morning, which you know sounds a bit odd for a man I'd not physically seen for quite a few years. I mean, we kept in touch via text messages and things, but I'd not actually seen him face to face for quite a while. And ironically, he actually texted me on the day of the uh, the Anfield derby this year to wind me up and take the mickey out of me for naming me book, Grand Old Team to Report, and slagging me off, saying that was a Celtic song. What was I yes. doing with that? And that was the day, of course, that Emerson won for the first time since Kev's going down at the cop end 21 years earlier. And I said to him, I said, this is an omen. This is an omen. You texted them this day of all days. Yeah, this, this is going to be something yeah. special. And it was. So I'm quite right. pleased, really, that you know, it happened that way. Yes, he, he, uh, he questioned the wisdom of... Um... To, to me on a number of occasions of having Grand Old Team as a, as a song that we played at Goodison, you know. Uh, but, yeah. but I think I, I remember going back to that very start. I remember getting a call off Michael Dunford, uh, you know, the secretary at the time, who said to me, yeah. I want you to go to Manchester Airport and pick up the new manager, you know. And, and I was absolutely terrified, you know, because, you know, I, I'd not really sort of, I didn't know him and, you know, and, uh, and I had to go. And we had this conversation in the car on the way back. But, but going back to Lord Grantchester, you know, and, and you know, Lord Grantchester, as we know him, John, you know, is, is a lovely guy. Uh, yeah. But I remember sitting in my office, which is a couple of doors down from Walter and Archie's office um, yeah. at Belfield. And he, he called me in. Uh, Lord Grantchester had been in and he'd gone out. And then he called me in, Walter, and he just said to me, Al, I'd just like you to run your past Lord Grantchester's team for Saturday, you know. <laughs> so, and, 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 and he, he was deadly, you know, and he had this way, you know, of like this, no expression whatsoever you know and yeah. so you didn't know whether he was he was messing you didn't know whether he was serious you know and and, and that was part of his management skill I guess and and you know I stood there and he told me the whole tactical arrangement that Lord Grantchester had just told him on the, the little <laughs> magnet board you know and, and I, I just sort of the, the, the sarcasm started to dawn on me you know uh, yeah. quite quickly you know and and I, we just nodded and I went back to my office and that was it you know and it was just a very strange time you know but but he was you know, he was someone, you know, I've seen yesterday's people said, you know, he didn't suffer fools. And I think that was 100 percent. He didn't. Um, but I think that sort of does him a little bit of a misju uh, misjustice in the sense that what he did do was recognize people who were genuine and people who needed the support and the help. Um, and, you know, was that was was he like that as a manager, Kev? Yeah, Big Al, he was a man of integrity. You know, he, he, listen, he managed the, the, the football club, the great football club, under seriously extreme circumstances. Yeah. Preno, I'm sure you, you know probably a, a lot more than I do of what was going on mm. upstairs at the time. Big Al, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. But we know he was promised certain things. He was never given it. There was, um, you know, Big Dunk was sold under his nose, etc. And many a time that would have made a manager walk, but... He's, he's made a sterner stuff. He's, he's a class act. He's a gentleman. Yeah. And, you know, he, he wanted to keep the standards high at Everton, that's for sure. And you look at the players that he, he brought in to the football club. 
he wanted the football club to go in the right direction, that's for sure. And, mm. you know, I'm just so pleased I got the opportunity to, to, to join the club and to, to play under him because, you know, he's right up there in my estimation. You, you meet a lot of people in football, but not a lot of people leave an impression on you like he left on me, I could tell you. No, 100%. Funny enough, you're talking about that Duncan Ferguson week. Because uh, that, that week, myself and Paul Joyce, who was uh, then, I think he was the Daily Post correspondent at the time. He's now the Times as Northern Football Correspondent. And the pair of us, were, we developed a really great relationship with Walter. I mean, so Joyce, especially, was very close to him. And uh, we'd arranged to go out for a meal that week. And it was just like sod's law that it happened to be the week that that happened. Because it was a Monday night we were playing Newcastle at home. Uh, when it actually happened and I think we were supposed to be going out on the Thursday and after the news broke and everything uh, you know that was it you know Joyce said to me oh, I've got no chance you know so Walter won't be going out with us now you know I think he's he's considering quitting and uh, he mentioned it tentatively and Walter was like yeah of course we're going out he says I might not be the manager of Everton at the time but we're definitely going out <laughs> so we went out and uh, it was a Thursday night it was a place called the Left Bank uh, the south end of Liverpool Allenton Roadway and it was just a great night. We went in, and I remember Tony Grant was in there having a meal, and Tony Warner, the old Liverpool reserve goalkeeper, Granty was mortified that he'd been spotted by the gaffer out on a Thursday night, <laughs> even though he was just having a meal, like he wasn't yeah. doing anything untoward. <laughs> and uh, Walter typically, you know, sort of wound him up about it. Yeah, but, you know, had a few words. Spoke to the big goalkeeper, Tony Warner. And we just had a great night. We had a, a load to drink. And uh, Archie was staying at the Redbourne, I think it was. And uh, we went back there, and Archie got the whiskey out then. And so we just had a great night. But Walter was giving us lots of little insights into things that have been going on behind the scenes and what had happened, you know, so regarding, you know, so Duncan. And it, it definitely influenced me because I went in the next morning and uh, probably a little bit hungover, I think it's fair to say, and uh, suddenly produced this absolutely, you know, sort of excoriating critique of Peter Johnson's reign as Everton chairman. Uh, and I've seen like the headline, it blundering in Epton Crass. I should have went and look at it now. I'm thinking, oh my God, did I really like that? But it was because you know, so Walter had wound me up to such a fever pitch about everything that he was having to put up with. And I just thought, you know, we, we can't carry on like this as a football club. We just like rattled it all out. And maybe that's, you know, partly why we became so close because, you know, I, you know, sort of fought his corner in that whole situation. Yeah. And, uh, it was, I look back on it fondly. It was, it was a, it was a great night. And well, that's something less like that. We'll come to to when you signed, Kevin, in a moment, you know, because that's a that's a great little story in itself, you know. But but I, I remember the sort of the Duncan Ferguson episode, and and the weeks and probably even the months, you know, up to that, um, yeah. the, the the relationship between them, you know, the chairman and, and Walter, you know, Peter Johnson and Walter, had, had broken down. You know, they they yeah. they'd stopped talking to each other, uh, and and I found myself at some point in the middle of that, you know, because yeah. the chairman would speak to me. And he wouldn't speak to the manager, you know, or there was no communication there. And I remember going in one day and, uh, you know, um, Walter, Walter would say to me, have you spoken to Jinky? You know, he used to call him Jinky Johnson. Jinky Johnson yeah. So so I'd say, yeah, I spoke to him yesterday. And he, and he was like, he said, you spoke to him yesterday? I said, yeah. He said, I've been waiting two weeks to speak to him. I said, well, I can only, I can only tell you, you know. So, of course, you know, it was, it was a really awkward position for me because, I, you know, I... I was trying not to, um, you know, break a confidence with the chairman and, yeah. and and keep the manager happy, and it was a difficult place to be in. But I think the measure of the man for me was the way he dealt with that, Walter. He knew that I was in a position, you know, he knew that. So I would sort of tell him what I knew, and you know, and but he would never use that, you know, against me, sort of thing. And and I remember, I'll never forget the morning um, that um, the morning after the night of the Newcastle game. 
And of course, you know, we'd seen, you know, the, the famous old story where, you know, I was told it was absolute rubbish. And I went up and told the press room that the whole press room, you know, it was rubbish. And on the way down, there was Duncan with Rude Hullet and, and you know, in, in the chairman's office doing the deal, you know, yeah. the next minute he was going across Goodison Road to get in the car. But yeah. and that was that was that was, um, you know, an example of what it was like at the club at that point is that. No one knew what was going on, really. And um, the next morning, I got a phone call. Uh, it's come down to Belfield, and you're going with Walter over to Park Foods. You know, there was a, there was an emergency board meeting. So I I got in his car. We had, he had this blue Jag, you know, at the time, and and we drove across to the Wirral, and and uh, you know, uh, and we went in, and and I went upstairs. Walter went into the boardroom at Park Foods of all places, and um, next minute, Peter Johnson come out five minutes after. And said, "Come on, Alan, we're going." You know, and and he walked out of the board meeting, and mm-hmm. then, um, uh, you know, I, I went then to Peter Johnson's house for some bizarre reason. I don't know why, and mm-hmm. I sat there for four hours, mm-hmm. you know, on my own in this front room. <laughs> I, I, I had this. There was like a maid type woman, you know, an old lady who was who was serving me tea and coffee and toast yeah. and all kinds of things, and I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and then. Eventually, the chairman come down and said to me, right, Alan, uh, you're going back. Um, my driver's going to take you back to Park Foods. Walter's waiting for you. And Walter had waited after the boardroom, you know, after the board meeting for me to come back so he could give me a lift back to Belfield, you know, so oh, I wasn't yeah. left. You yeah. know, and and I'll never forget that, you know. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, every other manager I think I've ever dealt with, and this is not a criticism of him, would have gone and just made me get my own way back somewhere. Exactly. It wasn't, yeah. You know, but he waited in there, you know, where there was nobody there. It was on his own, and he waited. Yeah. And we had this we had this trip back up, and there was this horrible silence, you know, because we knew what was happening. Peter Johnson yeah. was actually going to the airport to fly to Jersey and never be seen again. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and Walter just said to me, do you know what I hate, Alan? And I said, no, I don't know. I don't know, Walter. You know, and he said, why on Queen's Drive do it's so many times the three lanes go into two without telling you? you know? <laughs> and like, and that, was, that was his big annoyance that day, you know, but he uh, handled situations so coolly yeah. and calmly. Yeah. It was frightening, you know. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We've sort of moved on a little bit, in a sense, Kev, you know, to when you joined um, you know, I think that was, I remember, and I w- we won't name the player, but I don't know whether you remember this, Kevin, I don't want to put you into position, but I remember a, a, a particular player giving you a little bit of an insight or trying to give you an insight into Everton and that it was, it was a bit of a mess at the time and everything. And, and Walter and I, you may not even know this, but Walter and I stood behind the gym door and listen to this player saying to you, oh, you won't enjoy this place. You won't like this place. You know, stay away from this place, you know, and all the rest of it. And he waited. He didn't say anything. And he waited. And he made me stand there with him and listen to this player, you know. And I was, like, terrified because I thought it was all going to blow up, you know. Anyway, he waited till later on that day. They had a team meeting. And then he called this player out and said, tell us what you were telling Kev, Kev Campbell, you know. And, and you know, and, and it was the way he dealt with players, you know, was incredible, you know. And, First class he was, yeah. And, and, and give us an insight, if you can, Kev, as to, to what his management style was. Well, it's, what people have to understand about Walter Smith is he's a, he's a perennial winner. Mm-hmm. His his career is all about winning, and you know, being being north of the border, you know, having the success that he had, and then coming down to a club like Everton. Everton, 
Everton's history is, is winning. He comes into a situation where he's a winner. The club's history is winning. But the situation means that he has to survive, Al. Yeah. And that, that is very difficult for him. And I, I've got to mention Archie Knox in there as well, because, yeah, you know, Archie was a fantastic sidekick to, uh, to Watersmith. He really was. They really dovetailed so perfectly together. Yeah. You know, Archie was, was boisterous and... He, he, you know, his Anglo-Saxon was incredible at times, wasn't it? You know, yeah. you know that. And and Walter was kind of seemed in that partnership to be the quiet one. But if yeah. he stepped on the wrong buttons with with Walter, even Archie would take a back step. Yeah. You know, and uh, and 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 Walter would take the lead. But he was always demanding. He was such a good man manager that he would always he, he would. Hardly ever take the training, but I'd always watch. Yeah. And he'll just pull players out one by one and he'll speak to them. And he, he, he had a great feel for the group. And if anybody's worked in an environment with, um, with, with a boss who really cares for, for the, the, the workforce, they seem to know the right thing to say. They seem to know the right time to do things. And Walter had that in abundance he was a he was a brilliant manager he really was and you know what I, I feel not only am I, I blessed that obviously I played for him and he brought me to the football club but in a, in a sense I just wish he he had the support that he deserved because okay. you know the, I think the football club would have been a a lot better for obviously him getting that support because look at the players you look at the players he attracted to Everton when Everton had nothing. Yeah. Now, you're right saying that about him not turning like a drama into a crisis because he did. He had a great way of like smoothing things over. I always remember when we had an absolutely horrendous injury crisis at one stage. And uh, we went to Coventry in what was like a really tough, you know, sort of bottom of the table game that we needed to win. And I think Walsh had said to me earlier in the week, you know, sort of so many of these players didn't recover. It was going to officially be an oh my godder. And um, yeah. we looked at it, and it was a day that I think Phil Jevons made his debut. I think Peter Clark made his debut at right yes. back. Um, it was like, you know, it's a real, like, sort of makeshift team. And we ended up winning the game 3 1. That's largely because in the build up to the match, all the press like, were asking Walter about the injury problems that, you know, so he was facing. And he goes, I'm not talking about that. He goes, We've got 11 good players to put out there. And he didn't want to talk or reflect at all if the club was suffering an injury crisis. He wanted to focus on the positives and, you know, sort of the players that had the opportunity to do something for Everton Football Club that day. And, uh, and, he, and he did. Yeah, it was absolutely, you know, great management. And uh, he did that all the time, you know. So he was just like poured oil on troubled waters all the time. And let's face it, he had a lot of troubled waters to, uh, yeah, to encounter during his time. Was, at Everton. Yeah, I Preno, I think that was the time where I think that stretch of games, I think we had 16 fit players. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. think we only yeah. had 16 fit yeah. players. And, yeah. and I think Ozzy came in and Jevo came in and yeah. Kevin McLeod was in there. That's right. And, yeah. and they, they formed, I think we played, I think it was Coventry, we played Chelsea, yeah. we played Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. and we ended up winning all them games. It was, yeah. it was incredible. Was incredible yeah. time. Yeah, it just made me laugh there, Kev. It made me smile to myself. And I, I think, you know, I think I can relay, relay this story. I don't think it's too bad. Um, but, but um, you know, when you talk you about 
the way, <laughs> when you talk about the way they were in training, you know, and, and you, you're 100% right. Walter would just stand at the touch, you know, touch line. And, um, you know, and Walt, uh, Archie would take the actual physical training, wouldn't he? You know, and, and, and yeah. be in the games. And, and, and the other thing I, I always knew about Archie was he always was last off the training pitch. You know, he'd always stay there till the end, till he'd, he'd watch the strikers, you know, extras. doing the, do the, the extras. Do, yeah. do the extras, yeah. But there was one this this one day where I had to go over to, I, I never usually like to go anywhere near the, the training pitch, but one day I did because I had to speak to Walter. Uh, I think it might have been, you know, uh, around the Duncan Ferguson area. I, I don't know. But anyway, I'd gone over and I was chatting to him, you know, and it was getting near the end. And I thought, well, I'll wait now until it's finished. And then, you know, so all of a sudden, the game's still going on. It's like a, a small five-a-side game on the pitch, you know. And, and uh, the game's going, next minute, all of a sudden, Archie just marches like, you know, like like a, a sergeant major, you know, past us, you know. Yeah. And uh, and he just shouts, Tettles, Tettles, heed. Right, you know, which of course, you know what, yeah. it, what it means. Yeah. I, and Walter, I mean, I nearly collapsed, you know, because of the way he said it, and just the fact that he just decided that he needed to go to the toilet, you know. And <laughs> and, and you know, Walter, not an absolute movement from his mouth at all, you know, nothing. It was like it was just, and they had this rapport, that, you know, this this yeah. relationship was just. It was almost. Um, you remember? I remember. You know. You know, should I mention Liverpool's people? But you know, Toshak and Keegan when they did that yeah. perception thing, you know, and it was like that. You know, they knew which what you know what the other one was thinking all the time, and 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 it was so dry. You know, it was it was incredible. And and as I say, I've collapsed on the floor because of what happened. You know, and, and Walter just stood there as if it's an everyday occurrence. You know, but they were unbelievable. But I think what I found, and Treno, you'll know this. You know that he protected his players. To the media, you know, and he would always protect, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, as much as what was going on. And I saw many situations where, you know, you know, he had a phrase about players, which I definitely can't mention, but, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, but, but, but when he spoke to the media, he would always protect them and, and, and be supportive. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, uh, I remember the morning when when Duncan had had the, should we politely say, the altercation with a couple of intruders at his house, uh, yeah. as Herman informed me. And uh, I remember actually bumping into you in the car park, Kev, afterwards, because uh, I think we played Watford on the, uh, in the, the FA Cup on the Saturday. And I was in the manager's office, as normal, uh, sitting there having a cup of tea and a bit of toast. Can you imagine that nowadays? Every single morning, wow. cup of tea and a bit of toast with the manager. And, uh, and Duncan had knocked on the, uh, the manager's door and said, you know, so can, can I have a word, Gaffer? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Preno, can you leave us for a minute? So I went outside. And as I, Duncan was walking past, he was trying to hide the side of his face from me. And he had like a little bit of a bloodshot eye. And uh, so I went outside. And then, uh, you know, so I, I came back in. And, uh, you know, after he'd spoken to Duncan, and uh, he said, you know, okay, Preno, you know, so you're telling me what happened. He goes, but you can't say anything about it, you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll decide when it's going to be released, you know, so you can't say a word. And I respected that because, you know, so Walter would often do things like that with me. And, um, you know, so I did, I never wrote a word about it, came back down into the car park, and uh, you were coming in, Kev, just parked your, uh, your, your lovely big flash silver car. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so I told you what happened, and you were like, oh, yeah, I hope he battered them. I hope he battered them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, if it's Duncan, yeah, you know, it's likely to have happened. But, yeah, you know, so that, that was the manager. He did, you know, so he always tried to look after the players totally. Not always. I remember one occasion at the start of the season, 1999-2000, where he called me into his office and he said, Preno, I'm going to have to fall out with you. 
I said, how do you mean fall out with me? He goes, I'm going to tell you something that I want in the papers. He says, but, you know, so, you know, you, you haven't got it from me. And I'm like, right, okay. And he told me that Franny Jeffers had put in a transfer request. And uh, so he wanted, you know, so the world to know about it, but, you know, didn't matter to know it had come from him. Mm. So we had this mad situation where I went back to the office and wrote this story. And then Walter had to pretend to get angry with me and <laughs> not to deal with me for the next uh, couple of weeks. And me having to straight back all these questions from, you know, Mike Dunford, you know, where did you get that story from? So I can't say Mike, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like a, a mad situation. So he was, he was a very cute operator, you know, so he got out there what he wanted to get out there, but he couldn't. You know, so he protected the players when he wanted to. He, he oh, knew how to box clever, Big Al. That's oh, he for was, sure. Yeah, That's he, was, for he, sure. he was so clever when it came to the media. You know, I remember one day, and I'm, I'm sure Don won't mind me telling this story, you know, but when, you know, it's well documented, you know, Hutch had a bit of a falling out with him. And and um, yeah. and, and I remember being in his office and, and, and there was a knock on the door and, and someone said, oh, Don Hutch was someone to where did you uh, gather, you know? And he said, yeah, I, so, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll go. He said, no, you stay there, Al. So I said, I said, oh, no, I'll go, I'll go, you know, because I knew what was coming, you know. I said, no, I'll go. He said, no, sit there. So I said, okay. So he's got this newspaper, you know, up, big newspaper. It must have been a telegraph or something. It was a big, big, you know, yeah. broadsheet sort of thing. And uh, and then poor Don comes in, like, and, and he'd been left out of the game against Chelsea. We were going to play Chelsea, and he'd been left out. And he said, uh, he sat there, and it was this excruciating moment, you know. And he said, "I've come to." He said, "I just want to word with you, Gaffer." And, and Don was trying to be nice, as if to say, "I don't want Alan in the, you know, because it was private, you know." Yeah. yeah. So I said, "I'll get." Walter said, "Sit there, Al." So I said, "Okay." <laughs> so when he told you to sit there, you know, you did. So, he, so then next minute, Don says to him, "I want to know why I'm not playing." Uh, he, he said, and and and, Don, and Walter just pulled down the the the, uh, the newspaper and said something like the words, like, "Because you're not." You know, and it was like, it just, it was the most horrible moment, you know, like, and, and there was just silence and he just kept reading the paper, you know, and it was like, he, it was, he, he sort of t totally sort of dismissed Don, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and anyway, a, a few weeks later, Don didn't play in the Chelsea game. I think obviously we got beat, I think if I remember rightly, but, but then a couple of weeks later, um, did they resolve, not, not so much resolve their issues, but they, I think they'd come to, and Walter, you know, did something which I thought was fantastic, and we played Leicester away, and and he brought Don back in. Uh, you know, he'd done what he had to do. He'd, he'd made the point, and he brought him back. And there was this. I think Don put the ball in for Nick Barmy to score, and we, and we won or drew or whatever it was. You know, but we got a result there. And the way he dealt with players, and know Borley and Dunny, you know, um, you know, saw that side of him as well. Yeah. Um, he, he just wouldn't he you know he, you know and, and that was a, a really great thing i think at the time because it was needed you know um that needed that strong uh that strong management um but what i was going to ask you kev is how did it come about that you actually joined the club because i don't even though i was there i don't know how that happened <laughs> well listen i i think i'm gonna have to lean on preno a bit obviously from the everton side yeah but remember i'm out in turkey yeah. big l and what's happened in turkey Obviously, he's well documented, but yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the owner, the chairman made a comment that was spun by the media yeah. and it, it became an international incident, you know, yeah. like he'd racially abused me. He hadn't, but it, they made it out that he had. So, yeah. again, it, I ended up getting suspended from the team. I wasn't playing. I'm getting suspended. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I found myself training with the with the um, under 21s 
etc. You know, and it was coming up. It was coming up to that March transfer window that used to be open. So I'm there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've got to get, I've got to get back. You know, I've got to get back playing football. And obviously I've been keeping an eye on what's going on in the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, my agent called me and he said, there's five clubs you can go to. He said, uh, the number one, first club, he said, first club is Everton. So I said, stop right there. I said, that's the one I'm going to. I, I don't know. I could honestly say, Obviously, the history of Everton and, you know, I made my debut there against Everton, etc. But something just said, that's the one. And yeah. then uh, I, I knew Watersmith was manager, etc. And then obviously it was a matter of, it was a, it was a rush to get back. I had to pack up my apartment, all the gear and get it on the plane. And because I wasn't intended to come back, Big L, you mm. know, so uh, flying over. And, and this is how ironic these these moves are. I get on the I get to Heathrow and then I get on the plane up from from London. I think we flew into Manchester yeah. or or whatever. And the guy I'm sitting next to on the plane is an Evertonian. Yes. Yeah. He he didn't know who I was, so he said he, So uh, we were just talking. I said I'm going up there for a, for a bit of work. So I said, who do you support? So I said, I'm a blue. And he was telling, the whole flight is about, what, 35, 40 minutes. The whole flight, he told me the ins and outs of what's going on at Everton. And, you know, there's no number nine there and all that. And he still didn't know. So anyway, we landed and we, we kind of walked through together. And as we got through, who was there was uh, Bill Ellaby and Walter Smith. So... Obviously, I've walked through and they've come up and said, hi, Kev. And he's kind of, his mouth opened. So I said, oh, this is the Mr. Smith I was telling you about, <laughs> who, who I'm going to be working with. And he was just like, he couldn't oh, believe it. Tremendous. He couldn't believe it. Brilliant. He couldn't believe it. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you actually, because that was obviously come on loan, didn't you, initially? And then, yes. But when you actually signed... Um, the whole squad, and including Mr. Prentice, were out in Italy, I think. In uh, Choco, right? Choco, yeah. Choco, which was like a great place. Great place. But yeah. one of the most incredible places and, and, yeah. and most infamous places in some respects. Yes. You yes. Know, yeah. um, especially the seven o'clock in the morning swim. But anyway, um, <laughs> so. So I'm sat back at home because, uh, you know, my assistant, Mark Rowan, you know, he hadn't been on any of these trips. And so I said, no, you go to Italy with the team. I'll stay back home. I'll do, you know, I'll do what I need to do. So I'm sort of sat there. Next minute, the news comes out. And as usual at Everton, you know, no one had bothered to tell the communications man, you know, that these things had happened, you know. So I get the call, you know. So I'm getting inundated now with calls from all kinds of different people. You know, the Echo, you know. Well, actually, probably the Echo wasn't because you were out there. But, you know, um, all the newspapers, all the uh, the radio stations, TV, all wanting to know what, you know, can we get an interview? I said, well, you know, the team are out in, in Italy. I can't do anything about it. You know, what can I... So this Radio 5, guy was really insistent you know that we have somebody you know so so but to buy better judgment I, I said well okay I can, he said well you do something I said well okay I'll do something you know and I don't know why I did because I would never do that you know and it, so I go on Radio 5 you know saying you know and, and I'm like talking like the manager you know saying you know yeah you know listen he's, he came he's made a massive impact to us you know blah 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 you know and I'm thinking what am I doing you know and so next minute word gets to italy doesn't it you know and uh 
So it's about seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, and I'm in, I'm in my front room doing some crunches on me. Uh, I had one of these little like, <laughs> you know, um, in home ab, you know, ab uh, trainer, an ab, ab trainer, trainer or something. Yeah. <laughs> Next minute the phone rings, doesn't it? And it's Walter, yeah. and he says Myers, you know, because you know everyone knew me as Myers. And he said, "What's this? I'm hearing you're waxing lyrical about my striker, you know." And I said, "Well, I said, well, you're not here." And all I can hear is Dave Prince was laughing his head off in the background because they were all, you know, they were all there having a meal or something, you know. Yeah. And like, and he slaughtered me, you know, for. Um, for, you know, for, for for going on the radio, but like he was joking around, you know. But it was fantastic, and and that 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 signing was, you know, and and he made signings like that. But your signing has to, you know, go up there with. And, and Preno will give us a view on this. You know, it, it's up there with one of the best signings ever for Everton, I think. No, hundred percent. But if you think about uh, who Walter bought at the start of that season. A future World Cup winner, Marco Materazzi, Olivier yeah. Decor, absolutely top midfielder, John yeah. Collins, top midfielder. Yeah. Um, but what the club lacked was a striker, you know, somebody could score goals. If you think of the start of that season, we had, I think it was six goalless draws yeah. until Christmas. I mean, most of them are Goodison yeah. as well. And okay, the, the team was organised, the team could keep clean sheets, but it couldn't score goals. And as a result, we were in a relegation fight. And it was, it was like it was looking pretty dire. Yeah. And, um, you know, a goal scorer was needed as a matter of urgency. And uh, Walter had this inspired decision to go for Kev uh, on loan initially. And Kev's impact can't be underestimated. I mean, no. was, it, was it six, seven goals in six games, uh, two goals against Coventry, a hat-trick against West Ham? It just took the place, you know, sort of on fire and basically made a compelling argument that we've got to sign this man. You know, we can't just have him on loan. He's got to be signed permanently. Uh, which is why, you know, the club didn't have any money because, you know, all the, the riches that had been promised to Walter you know, had been spent and uh, the club was basically in trouble at the bank and it's why, you know, so players ultimately ended up being yeah. sold behind the manager's back. So, you know, Peter Johnson suddenly had to try and find three million quid from somewhere to pay traps on sport to buy, you know, so Kevin permanently. But the fans wouldn't have accepted him not being signed because he made such a huge impact. He was a centre-forward. You know, he scored more than number nine on his back and he scored goals, you know, and very important goals. So it was, it was just absolutely the right person for the right club at the right time. It was just a great signing. And, um, you know, so th those experiences of El Choco, I absolutely adored. I mean, I remember that night you're talking about, we were in a, a restaurant outdoors, uh, having a Tuscan banquet, myself, Joycey, Archie and Walter. And he was like, yeah, come on. And you say you, you, everyone called you Myers, apart yep. from Archie, who called you my ass. Yes, that's like, right. Yeah. Let's get my ass on the phone now. Let's have some fun with him. And so, and he did. And uh, he's, remember Archie? I've always got this thing in, in my head about maybe talking about Archie, about rum bar bars. Yes. Uh, he had this way of, like, uh, you know, that saying this. And, and he'd say, you know, so he goes, Myers, you're doing your crunches there, are you, Myers? You need to because of all those rum barbars you've been yeah, eating. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> each rum barbars now. And it was, it was just like, they, they were great times. But I think, I think what, what, what I would say there, and, and I said it yesterday on social media, you know, is that yeah. the greatest thing about him was for someone like me, who really in the big scheme of things, it's not really an important you know, person in a football club, you know, it, it's the manager, the players, the board, you know, and, 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 but what he had this fantastic knack of doing was making you feel as important as everybody else. Yeah. And, and he did that not, not by being nice to you as such, but the opposite actually. And that was treating you exactly how he would treat his players. And, and, you know, and, and that was, you felt part of it. You know, I know I've spoken to Mark Rowan, you know, at times as well, and Mark got terrible stick from me, you know, he, you know, yeah. but, 
but it was it was that way of of showing that you were one of them and you were the same level as them and and, and that is massive to somebody in my because because what he did was he taught me to respect both me as as a person but also to to respect my position wherever I am you know and I've learned from that I learned a few things off Walter actually and and you know players say I hear players say oh you know I learned this off that manager and I learned this off this manager I actually learned off them as well and I learned off off Walter so much you know it was incredible but but I think and I'll say it because I don't want to embarrass you Kev but I think Walter I remember Walter telling me how grateful he was to, to you for for doing what you did at that time you know in, in, later on in 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 life you know but but I always remember that time and the best way I can describe it is when, when you came into the training ground or even Goodison Park Kev it was like as you walked in as you walked through the ground the lights would come on you know, if that's the best way to describe it, you know, it would like you'd light the place up, you know, and that's what it needed at the time. It yeah. was doom and gloom, and but it's like as if as you walked through the place, you know, these lights would just flicker on and come on, and and in people's eyes and people's, you know, and and that's what it needed. And and to get a player like that, I think you know Walter was was totally grateful. Big, big out, you know, you know when um, obviously my loan had finished. And obviously, Trabzon wanted me to go back, but I, I obviously weren't going back, so I was training on my own. And um, I remember my phone ringing, and it was it was the manager. It was Walter. So he said, um, "How's the training going?" He says, yeah. "I see." Yeah. I see he said, I see you've you've taken to running around golf courses now. So I was running around the golf just for the cameras, <laughs> yeah, like I'm running around that. the golf course. And he said, oh, I see you running around golf courses now. I said, Well, Gaffer says, at the end of the day, I says, I'm waiting for you guys to pull your finger out to sign yeah, me. Yeah, I yeah. said, because there's other clubs that you're lining up to sign me. And he said, yeah. Hey, don't you even don't you even go there? He said. Yeah, 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 or I, I said, yeah. Archie on you, and you can hear yeah. Archie in the background. You know, it was brilliant. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, I was going nowhere. I always wanted to, to sign for Everton. And mm. um, I'm so pleased that they got it done. Yeah, well, you're not the only one that was pleased they got it done, I'll tell you. But, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking about some funny funny little stories, that, you know, and, and I'll, I, if you don't mind, I'll start off with one. And if you can think about something, you know, which is humorous, and because uh, there were a number of situations like that. And I remember that day when I, I walked into Belfield one day and, and Walter, it was, I think the players were off. <clears throat> In fact, I'm sure they were. And Walter said to me, do you fancy a little drive out, Tal? So I said, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? So, you know, you know, if Archie had said that, I'd have been, I'd been a lot more concerned. But anyway, so he said, do you fancy a drive out? So I said, yeah. He said, I'm going up to, Fergie's going to show me around Carrington, which was a new training ground for Manchester United at the time. So I said, oh, yeah, fancy a bit of that, you know. So off we went and we drove up to Manchester and we're getting sort of, we went the back sail way, you know, through the back way. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's sort of Carrington is out, isn't it, in the, in the stick. Yeah. And we're driving through. And the next minute, the phone rings in his car, you know. And um, uh, this this person answered. It was on hands-free. And he answered, you know. And uh, and I thought, I know that voice. You know, I recognise that voice from somewhere. You know, and I was trying to think who it was. I'm thinking it was either a manager or maybe someone from the club. Or, you know, I'm thinking, ah. Anyway, he, he talked about some tickets, actually. It was tickets for Rod Stewart, a Rod Stewart concert, you know, and I'm thinking, you know. So, anyway, next minute, he puts the phone down sort of thing, you know, or he cuts, cuts it off, you know. So, I couldn't, you know, being the, the, the nosy journalist in me, you know, I, I just said, uh, uh, recognise that voice, uh, Walter. Who was that? He says, that was James Bondal. And it was, um, <laughs> it was, um, oh, his name escapes me at the moment. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Connery. 
and it was Sean Connery, and just rung him up, and and you know it was an unmistakable <laughs> voice, which is why I, yeah. you know, so I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. So he said, anyway, he goes, you're listening to me phone calls now, and like, and I, and I, I immediately thought, oh god, you know, and what else could I do? I was in the car, you know what I mean? It was, <laughs> but he just would catch you out on that situation, you know. But yeah. anyway, so we arrived at um, we arrived at. Um, Carrington and, and long story short Fergie gave us the whole tour you know and gave us a cup of tea with a muffin and everything it was a really like strange little situation for me you know to be in in the company of these two and we ended up in Fergie's office and on the wall he had this picture of you know the famous picture where the the, the people that building this the Empire State Building I think it is or the Rockefeller Center yeah. and they're all sitting on the girder aren't they you know yeah, the yeah. workers yeah and Fergie drags me and me and uh, Walter to it, and he says, "I'll tell you a story about this picture, right?" He says, "What I do, Walter? He goes, I get my lads Beckham, Neville, you know, Skulls, gigs, and I get them all. And he had two big uh, black leather settees. He said, I sit them all on these settees. He said, and I point them to this picture. And and at the, as, as he's telling me this, you know, the hairs are standing up on my the back of my neck, you know, because he's doing like a team talk, you know. And he says, and I tell them the story about these." That when one of these guys, one of these indigenous people who, who who worked on these buildings, if one of them fell from the girder and they couldn't save them, the rest of them would go over. You know, and I don't know whether that's true or not, but but he told that story. He said, I say to them, that's effing team talk, uh, teamwork. He said, that's a team. You know, you die for each other. You know, and he's doing this like, and he's proper spitting out his mouth and everything you know and i'm getting all like the hairs are standing up on the back of my thinking this is fantastic you know and walter just looked at him and said is it not madness alex you know <laughs> you know and of course i just thought to myself that's why we're fourth from bottom and they're top you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> but, but you know but walter was just so like um straight you know and it, it, you know he, he no matter what the moment gave you, you know, he would be able to bring it to a, you know, to, to a funny moment, you know, and, uh, but it was a great experience, you know, and, and one that Walter, you know, sort of gave me, if you like. Yeah. Miguel, I, 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 sorry, let me just go, Preno, because my one's pretty short. I, I don't know if it's, if it's too funny, but it was, it's, it's just the way he kind of done things. It yeah. was after the West Ham game at home. I mean, you know, we, we, we win it. We win the game six nil. And, you know, there's such a relief around Goodison Park. The fans were coming on the pitch, you know, with about 15 minutes to go. Everybody was delighted. So we're in the dressing room and I'm just sitting down, taking a, a moment to reflect. And, you know, there's like pandemonium. Everyone's yeah. like happy, so happy. And I'm just taking a seat there. And he, he comes over and he sits down beside me and he says, um, he says, how are you feeling? So I said, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. I says, um, I said, that's a job that's a real job well done um you know making sure that this football club stay up um job well done so he said aye he said no he said the job's not finished yet he said we've got one more game next week so and that really put me down yeah. brought me down on a level of like you know you're gonna go and do all the interviews yeah. you scored a hat trick but the job's not finished yet kev yeah. you know you got yeah. one more game to go and, and he was right the job's yeah. never finished until it's done no, but yeah, he kind of he kind of got up and winked at me and walked off. You know, it was uh, that type. He was that type that, of character. Brilliant. That guy. way of putting you putting people back in and keeping them in their place, keeping not, not the their place, feet, you know, yeah, feet, yeah, feet firmly on the ground. ground. Yeah, yeah exactly. feet yeah. firmly on the ground. No, he was. He was good, good as gold. And that that sense of humour. I mean, he was like such a a mischievous character because we used to, like I said, go to the office every single day. 
Paul Joyce then read for the morning newspaper, the Daily Post, would also go every single day. And um, he'd always, because I'd go first thing in the morning and Joycey would go later in the afternoon. And uh, I'd go in, he says, hey, Joycey was in. Yeah, I can't do the accents, else. I won't even try and do it. Yeah, says, I'm not uh, very good at it. <laughs> he says, uh, Joycey was in yesterday. I said, you know, oh, yeah, he goes, doing his thing again. You know, so nosing at me desk, so trying to read me letters, so trying to see what's on there. And I said, really? He says, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so he has a little look across. He doesn't know I can see him, but he's, he's trying to like, sort of get a little insight into what's going on on my desk. So I've wound him up. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I've planted something on there. He says, I hope he writes it. He says, because he'll look like a right dad if he does. <laughs> and I don't know what it is he'd done. And he said, he used to do this all the time. He'd plant little things on his desk. And he yeah. said, he just gently shoved them over towards Joycey to have a little look at and see if Joycey ever bit. And I, I don't know if Joycey ever did, but he just he liked having a little bit of sport, a little bit of fun with people. And so even like so the press that came in, certainly the local guys. And uh, he did, you know, he was just like he's a good company all the time. Mm. And uh, Joycey and myself especially did you know forge a really like sort of close relationship with him. I remember when he when he lost his job, um, and you know, I remember Joycey saying to me, I'll never be the same again, will it? He says, No matter who who comes in, you know, so it's not gonna be the same. And you know, I, I got a decent relationship with David Moyes and still keep in touch with him, but it wasn't the same. I mean so no. David was never as much fun as Walter, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, the thing was with Joycey, you know, they gave him so much stick, didn't they? You know, and they put him under so much pressure at times, you know. Yeah. It, 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 what I was saying before about that, if they liked you, you'd know it that way, you know what I mean? And and, and Joycey, you know, would would sometimes feel as if they were getting on him and, you know, and and and, and what it was, was they were showing that, that, that way of you know taking him in and, and trusting him and you know and and they love Joycey they, they love working yeah, with yeah. yourself and Joycey I know that because obviously they would speak to me a lot and you know yeah. and there was a lot of press men which they wouldn't and we knew that the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo I'm going to ask you in a minute because I think we're, we're sort of getting to the end now you know um ask you to think about what your sort of special moment if you can and i know dave you've probably got one from after after walter left his, you know his job um from a personal point of view and if you can think about but I, I'll, I'll just start to give you time to, to little think about it and, and i think the moment which you know sums up walter to me was and, it, and it's quite a personal moment but i he was very much into his music walter he loved his music yeah. you know and i think neil young wasn't it and uh, you know um that sort of that sort of genre you know and I introduced him to a guy called Stephen Bishop, who not many people know too much about Stephen Bishop, but his famous song was On and On. Um, down in Jamaica, they have lots of pretty women, you know. I don't know if you know the song, but anyway. It, and it, it's a bit a bit obscure. And and it, Bill Kenwright couldn't believe it. He said, no, no, Walter wouldn't like that. I said, no, I'm telling you, he, he loves it, you know. And he, he bought the album and everything, and he, he rang me from his car with it playing, you know, saying, I've got, I've got Stephen Bishop on Al, you know. So I said, oh, great, you know. And then he told me, he talked to me about um, my like of music. And I, I'm, I'm a bit strange and I, I don't mind admitting this, even though I probably get absolutely slaughtered for it. But I was a Barry Manilow fan. Oh, dear, <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I like all types of music, you know, yeah. but, but I, I like Barry Manilow. And, and he was the only one really, everyone slaughtered me because of it. But he, he was the only one who sort of appreciated that you can like different types of music and, you know, and... and and this one day, he was away, he'd gone with Ethel to New York. There was a break in the season, and it was an international break or something. And he'd gone to New York with Ethel. And next minute, my phone rings. And it, I told him about this particular album that, you know, I couldn't get. And I loved it, you know, and I'd, I'd lost it, you know, sort of thing, you know, a proper vinyl album. 
anyway, he rings me and he's in one of these flea markets in New York, you know, you know, where they have all the, the music and they sell yeah. you know. yeah. And he went, Oh, I said, is he is he stood on a and got like a, a stars above his head and, and he looks like an absolute idiot, you know. We didn't use the word idiot, he said something else. But I said, Yeah, that's the one. So he says, I've got it for you. And he bought me this <laughs> CD, you know, of Barry Manilow. He'd stopped his, his his holiday, you know, to to buy, and he'd remembered this 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 album that we talked about. And he yeah. bought me this album, you know, um, and I think it's you know because I had done the same with Stephen Bishop with him because I got him the album of Stephen Bishop, yeah. and like I just thought, you know, to do that, you know, for someone like myself, you know, it, it's just fantastic, and and that that will always stick with me because you know Ethel must have been going mad that he was rooting for records for me, you know, but when when he yeah. was supposed to be on holiday, you know, but that was my sort of special moment, <clears throat> you know. I know Dave, you have one. I've got loads to be honest. I mean, yeah. oh, not where, where do you start? I mean, he actually came to my wedding, which which really surprised yeah. me when uh, you know I told him we were getting married, get married on a Sunday, which was the day after we played a game against Bradford the previous day, <laughs> and uh, he basically said, "Well, you know, where, where's mine and Ethel's invite?" And I'm like, "Really? You know, so you'd come?" Goes, yeah, of course I'll come. So you know, gave him the invite, you know, to the evening do, you know, sort of thinking he'd be busy, you know, so sort of five o'clock. He's like, five o'clock? You're getting married at five o'clock? I said, well, no, it's like, it, it's earlier than that. Well, where's the daytime invite? And I'm like, really? And so, you know, the Everton manager wanted to come, you know, so to our wedding, which I was so touched by. And, uh, and, and he did, you know, I've got a lovely photograph of him and Ethel, you know, sort of sat at the table. Um, and it was just, it meant so much for him to actually want, you know, so to come and, and share that day with us. And uh, Melanie, my wife, just like passed me a note saying, I remember when um, we went up to Edinburgh uh, for like a, a long weekend, this is after he left as Everton manager, and we kept in touch. And he said, oh, you must come to the, the, this restaurant here you know, with myself and Ethel. And I forget what it was called. I think it was the, the Rangers chairman or the Rangers owner actually owned this restaurant. And he said, super posh, you know, it's a really great place. You'll love it. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see you there. So we got there. Anyway, as soon as we arrived, you know, the maitre d' or whatever he was, said, I'm awfully sorry, but, but Mr. Smith's being honest, says something unexpected's cropped up. He can't make it now. But your table's here, you know, so please come across. So we said, well, okay, that's, that's fine. So we went over. We had a really great meal. And uh, you know, so I had a few drinks, and then we, you know, so called the uh, you know the maitre d' over to pay the bill. Oh no, no, no! The bill's been paid for. You know, so Mr. Smith sorted that out. Uh, it's just like it's just little touches like that, which just absolutely you know, so a, a measure of the man. Um, loads and loads of touching moments, but yeah, to actually you know, so spend our wedding day with us meant an awful lot to me. No, I still got the crystal, the crystal flutes that uh, <laughs> was like a wedding presents, and uh, I actually said so. I said thanks for the present, Walter, and he looked at me. He said, "You had not, you had not to do with it, did you?" I said, "Ethel sorted that out, didn't he?" And he just started laughing and said, "Yeah, that's right." Oh, <laughs> brilliant, lovely, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I mean, I suppose our mind is is basically all, all football related, obviously, mm. and um, mm. I think one of the most touching moments was well, it was touching for me, especially when. You know, he said to me, he wants me to be captain. Yeah. And because Davey Weir was captain at the time, obviously yeah. Waggy um, uh, uh, or Davey Weir. Davey Weir was captain at that particular time. And, um, you know, he said to me, you know, I, 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 want you to be, I want you to be captain. So I turned to him and I said, well, Gaffer, what about Davey Weir? I said, please, he's captain. I says, I says I'm fine. I says, you, you, I don't need an armband to prove okay. You know, what I, what I could bring to the table. And he says, no, he says, that's why. He said, I've already spoken to Davey Weir and yeah. the boys want you to be captain. And I was just like taken, I was like shocked. I was taken aback. And, um, you know, 
having dealings with him that way. And we, it was, that was at Choco. So we had, we had a meeting and, you know, uh, I was, I was declared captain and stuff like that. And having the meetings with him, obviously you're, you're involved a lot more with the manager when you're captain. And, you know, me and him never, ever had a crossword. You know, he was, he was always a fantastic person to be around. And, you know, he'd run certain things by me, which obviously I was like so privileged. When he asked me, he asked me, he said, look, I've got an opportunity to bring Big Dunk back. He said, what do you think? So he's asking me my input into, you know, what I think of bringing Big Dunk back. I said, 100% bring Big Dunk back. I says, you know, we need good players. We need players who are passionate about the football club. And there's no one more passionate about this football club than Big Dunk. So, you know, just the fact that he even trusted me with that to ask me, you know, what do I think about bringing Big Dunk back? You know, I think he's he's quite fitting that, you know, I think he likes characters, Al. He liked your Mm. character. Preno, he liked you and Joycey, you know, he liked your character. He liked my character. And I think he resonates with with people like us. So, Mm. you know, it's sad to see him go, but what a man. Yeah, and you know, it's a lovely way to finish that, Kev, because I've got <clears throat> I've got your armband, an armband that you gave me at the time when I was leaving. You know, because you were you were just it killed me to leave Everton at that time, and you were just unbelievable at that time for many reasons, which you know why. And and I've got a signed armband, the you know, captain's armband, still in my my little box of bits. You know, um, but what I think and, and the way to finish this is is to say that. What he did was because of that, you know, making you captain because he, he, you know, he saw your character, you know, then you, he spread that about because then you sort of, you know, you and I had that moment where you'd sign that, that captain's armband for me. And, and, yeah. and, and in a time when there was not a lot of that around in the club, you know, in, in a time when we weren't being successful and everyone wanted to be successful, but, but other things were getting in the way and people, fans look at success and, and failure in particular and start to blame everybody. Um, they don't see that behind the scenes. People like Walter Smith were, you know, were doing everything they could to make sure this club was successful. And, and, and I guess, you know, when you look at it and if you know it from behind the scenes, the success was that they stayed in the Premier League and they did what they did, you know, as far as, uh, you know, playing games. So, so I think that's what he brought for Everton. And I think, you know, as you say, he's a special man and he's touched all of us. And, and whilst it's sad passing, it's, it's, it's great to remember the good times we had with him. Big Al, can I just add something to, to, to that? I, I think a lot of the good bits sometimes go unnoticed or, uh, you know, don't get brought to light. I've got to give credit, obviously, to, to Walter Smith and, and Archie Knox for the way they, they treated the staff. The office staff, Jimmy Martin, Jimmy Comer, Seiji, yeah. all the backroom staff were all on board with these, with these guys. Yeah. Um, you know, old, old Harry, do you remember yeah. old Harry, yeah. who used to yeah. be there, who passed away, was, a, yeah. was an yeah. absolute diamond guy. Um, Kev, there wasn't one Jeanette, person in there that would you know, talk. Ill of him. He, Ill of he him, was just such one. he was just such a, a a tremendous, a tremendous character and a tremendous man. That, you know, that bringing together of everybody behind the scenes, I think that that really helped 100%. in that difficult time. And and Watersmith was, you know, he was testament to 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 making sure 
we stayed up. And it wasn't just on the pitch, it was off the pitch as well. It was really important. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, guys. I really enjoyed that. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.